Hello, everyone, and welcome to It's Your Life with Joyce Wheeler. Today is Tuesday, April 23rd, 2019. Joyce's guest today is Regina Lawrence. Regina is a corporate attorney who bottomed out on her office floor in panic. She now runs a coaching business where she focuses on assisting people to get to the root and cause of their stress and anxiety so they can live a more peaceful, productive, and profitable life. Regina helps anxious women remember their past, rewrite their story, and rewire their mind for more peace. And now your host, Joyce Wheeler. Thank you and welcome to the show. It's your life. I'm your host, Joyce Wheeler. And today we do have Regina Lawrence with us. Regina, welcome to the show. Hi, Joyce. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So tell us a little bit about your story, bottoming out in your attorney office. Wow. So I was an attorney for seven years. And when I think back to it, I was always probably a pretty anxious and stressed person. But I used that as fuel to push myself through school, go to law school, you know, work the crazy job, work the crazy hours. And after a couple of years into my practice, I really started having a lot of stress and anxiety around my work and my job and everything. And my real low point was I was working on a case for a new client and I just felt all of the physical side effects of stress. I started sweating. I started shaking. I was like, just felt it in my body. So I got out of my chair, went to my office door, closed the door and just laid down on my office floor because I really didn't know what else to do. And I put in a meditation app on my phone and I just laid there and cried. And I thought to myself in this moment, like, I can't live my life like this anymore. And I knew inside that I didn't have to, that there had to be a better way. I just didn't know what that way was. And so that was like my lowest low, but it was also a really big breakthrough breaking point for me. How old were you at that time? I was 20, 27. 27. That's my daughter's 27. Wow. And yeah, 27. So you said you feel if you feel like all your life you were dealing with some kind of stress and anxiety. What were, you, what, were your, what were your symptoms? So through different parts of my life, I think it manifested in different ways. Um, I am, I've always been a pretty high energy, pretty intense person. But I had a lot of different physical things happening. I had a lot of digestive issues that I always chalked up to food allergies or food intolerances, which I think that the stress and anxiety caused so much havoc on my digestive system that I started to develop food intolerances. I had really bad hormonal imbalance issues. And a lot of that stemmed from just being in a fight or flight high cortisol state for so long that it wreaked havoc on my entire hormonal balance in my body. Um, I started to get really bad acne at different points when the stress was really bad. I, you know, and then I also I'd have like mini panic attacks where I'd be sweating and shaking and get a migraine and all of that stuff. So those are just some of the ways that I felt it. And now when I look back, I thought they were all isolated instances and isolated symptoms, but really they were all connected to that stress and anxiety. Right. Yeah. Everything you're describing does fall into that chronic state of stress that, that the body reacts to, like you said, being in that constant fight or flight. So yes. how long after you had this breakdown 
did you realize, how long did it take for you to realize that what you're experiencing was stress? It didn't take very long because at that point I decided that I needed to start to seek assistance. So at that point, pretty quickly after that point, I started working with a life and business coach and he really helped me hone in on the stress and anxiety. And that's, that was like the starting point for me, but it didn't, it really didn't take very long for me to start to figure it out within the year after that, I would say is when I started to make the connections between all of the different imbalances in my body and how they related back to stress and anxiety. So you teach women how to remember, how to rewrite, and how to rewire. That's a little bit of a tongue twister saying all three of those together. (laughs) So let's talk about that. Um, Remembering, what is remembering? What does our memories have to do with stress and anxiety? And how do we see that? So a lot of our stress and anxiety is a learned pattern of behavior, meaning there were different instances that happened in our lives. And as a result of those instances, we learned or were programmed to respond with stress and anxiety. Sometimes it could be that we have a primary caregiver. Like for me, my mom was my primary caregiver and she was always stressed and anxious constantly. She still is always stressed and anxious about something. And so I would watch situations as a kid and I would see her, whether I consciously realized it or not, I don't think I did as a kid, but now I can look back and see it. I was seeing her respond with stress, with anxiety, always anxious, always anxious. And so that's one way that we can learn stress and anxiety from our primary caregiver, or we just have a certain situation that happens in our life and naturally we go into fight or flight because we're scared or there's some sort of trauma. So the remember part is going back to our life experiences and seeing if we can find patterns and habits of behavior where we started to become conditioned to respond to certain situations with stressful situations with anxiety. And there's various things that can trigger that stress, is there not? So many different things that can trigger that stress, yeah. Like a like smells, like if there was a certain smell that was going on during the time of a situation, and you smell that again, that could lead a person to become stressed or anxious, correct? Totally. Certain smells. You could have certain situations where you could be sitting at the dinner table and, you know, your parents could have a horrible fight, like, and there could be certain foods that you might not even remember that that fight happened, but for some reason you have an aversion to that food or like with the food intolerances, you could be eating something and something traumatic could happen and the digestive, the gut brain and the, and the, you know, mind like make a connection to the negative experience and that food that you're eating. And sometimes food intolerances can be born out of that too. That's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy to think that something so simple like food, we can associate with a negative situation that happened from our childhood. And when if if I'm correct, when we had talked, we had talked about the uh, span during a young age where we're basically kind of brainwashed, so to speak. So before the age of 18, the brain is not fully developed. And so A lot of times we remember things from our childhood and we remember them with a not fully developed rational brain. 
And so also when things happen to us as kids, we, and they're traumatic, we have a, a, an emotional reaction or an emotional response, sometimes a physical emotional response in the body. And so we will often remember those emotional moments with a not fully developed child's brain. And part of the remembering is looking at those instances and stories with the fully developed brain of an adult. So Regina, what are some other situations that might happen during our lifetime where simple things can trigger stress or anxiety, like we talked about food? What are, like, for instance, with you, can you use your experience as far as what what you feel triggered stress and anxiety? Sure. I mean, I grew up in a home where my parents eventually separated when I was 14. So the 14 years leading up to that, there was really not a lot of love. And there was a lot of passive aggressive behavior. So thinking back to my childhood, because my parents were so they never fought, but there was always they were always on edge with each other, that I and and also in addition to that, I'm one of nine children. And yeah, (laughs) I'm number eight of nine kids. And quite a few of my siblings were addicts and drug and alcohol addicts. And so for me as a kid, I was always in this high state of stress and anxiety because I was always worried about everybody. So when I say like I lived in constant stress and anxiety because I want, I didn't, I didn't want to be like the rest of them. I wanted to be the, the good child, the perfect child, the child that got it right. I was constantly worried, you know, am I doing this right? Is this good enough? Am I going to, am I going to do well enough at this? Like, and that kept me, I truly think most of my childhood, I was in this constant state of fight and flight, fight or flight. I can relate to that. You're bringing back a, a memory for me. My dad was always the type of person that he wanted us to be quiet. I grew up during the age where it was like children are to be seen and not heard. And he, he would work all week, and when he came home or, or on the weekends, he wanted to watch TV. He wanted peace and quiet. He didn't want anybody to say anything or make any kind of noise to disrupt him. So I was taught at a very young, or I learned at a very young age, to kind of tiptoe around and not to say anything. Um, even my movements, I remember, I could see it in my head like it was yesterday, sitting on the couch in a certain position, and I wanted to change that position. And I remember moving very, very slowly so I wouldn't disturb him and he wouldn't get mad at me. But later on I in life, I, I would have leg pains all the time. And I couldn't figure out why my legs were always hurting. I, I wasn't like on a daily basis or even a weekly basis. It would just sometimes happen that certain parts of my legs would just be really sore. And I had actually talked to somebody who does something similar to what you're doing. And he associated with the the pain in my legs with that time in my life. And when I was able to look at that and deal with that, the pain went away. I haven't had leg pain since. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, It's so interesting. Like when you talk about the not the children are to be seen and not heard, like I see that constantly. And what you described, like the type of dad that you had I see that so often and then what it leads to is you feel like you can't express yourself you feel like mm-hmm. you can't people that grew up like that often have trouble with communication and oh I don't you spend, <laughs> <laughs> but, but a lot of people do they have trouble with communicating certain things and 
you know, they spent a lot of their childhood feeling, like you said, like that, like feeling on edge, feeling that fight or flight, you know, through your childhood, that if you do something so simple as move your legs, that you're going to, you know, upset upset your one of your primary caregivers. Right. And you had said something I was going to I was going to make mention of it. Oh, that was one thing that my dad always would comment on about me. He always told me I had a big mouth and it was going to get me in trouble. Yeah. Because I didn't I didn't. But as an adult right now, there are times I do keep feelings and thoughts inside and I don't say anything. And so you were talking about that, too, about when we talked about having to get these things out. So let's talk a little bit about that, Regina. Well, something that I'm very big on in my life and in my practice is the fact that like we as human beings, we feel an array of feelings and emotions. And we are living in a society in a time where people feel like they can't express those feelings and they can't express those emotions or like they don't want to feel the feelings. They don't want to grieve the grief and feel the fear. And so we put it in a box and we put it on a shelf and we try to pretend it's not happening, but the problem is that it's still happening and it's trapped in our body and unprocessed pain, unprocessed feelings and emotions, like they don't sit dormant in the body, they wreak havoc in the body. So we see that so many people without expressing or processing those feelings, pains, emotions, I'm a true believer that it manifests in lots of ways in digestive disorders and disease and inflammation in the body. You know, and that's one thing I see these days that really bothers me is I hear parents telling their children, stop crying, stop crying, don't cry. I'm like, I I never did that with my kids. It was like, if they want to cry, go ahead and cry. But if they were crying because they didn't get their way, I'd let them cry for a while. And after a time, I'd be like, you know what, this has gone on long enough. If you want to cry, go ahead and cry, but I don't want to hear it anymore. Go to your room and do it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you're right. And especially with males, with young males, you know, it's like if they cry, it's a sign of weakness. Yeah, for sure. And it's like, and it's like they're a child. (laughs) Let them cry if they want to cry. And we're, you know, we are human beings. We do have emotions and we do have feelings. And our society, it's like you said, right now, it seems like our society, just everybody, you know, we should all stifle our feelings. We shouldn't feel anything. We should just be like robots. Yeah. And I don't know about you, Regina, but I don't have a button on my back that shuts my feelings off. No, I don't either. And something I realized this year is I was really good for a long time at like putting emotions, like not dealing with my emotions and my feelings. But then they always come back and they always creep back into your life in some way. And so this past year, I've really given myself permission that I'm allowed to feel the feelings and feel the emotions, but I don't live in them, right? So if I'm feeling fear surrounding something in my business or in my life, I acknowledge it and I do some work and look at where in my life it's coming from. Where is the fear coming from? What's the source so that I can understand it and then I can walk myself through it, and then I can put it to bed. But I've really embraced feeling my feelings, crying when I have to cry, you know, being joyful and just letting it flow. And I, because of that, I flow so much better and have my energy is so much higher because of that practice. I think that we all need a good cry once in a while. Absolutely. Me too. Just to, you know, get it all out and let it all go. And, you know, I mean, afterwards, it's a very draining process. I know for me, it's just like I I feel like all the energy has gone out of me. But at the same time, I also feel like something's been lifted off my shoulder. It's like, 
all of a sudden bliss. It's like, oh, okay, I can breathe again now. Yeah, same. I feel the same way. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that people, and even myself for a long time, I felt that if I cried, it was a sign of weakness. So I can't, I can't, I can't cry. I just have to hold it in. And if I start to cry, I got to suck it up and forget it. And then I started, yep. you know, realizing, wait, I'm a human being. I'm a person. And I have feelings. Yeah. And I'm not going to go ahead and stifle them because society is telling me that, well, if you do this, then you're like that. You know, yeah. I, it's just like, no. So then, Regina, let's talk about rewriting stuff. Let's go ahead and rewrite something. So one of the things, for example, I have done in my own life is, you know, I'll looking back to my childhood, remembering my childhood. You know, one of the things I struggled with in my childhood was I felt like, you know, I had a lot of the word. I had a lot of resentment towards my mom because I felt like she wasn't a good enough mother. I felt like in my child brain that, you know, all of the other moms did all of these different things. They showed love in a certain way that I wanted to receive love and they mothered in a way that I wasn't mothered. And so for me, the rewriting of that and looking back at that was, first of all, I looked back at my mom and I looked back at the marriage she was in and I looked back at what her situation was. And then I looked back even deeper and I looked at where did she come from? What was her childhood like? What was her upbringing like? What kind of pain did she suffer with her whole life that she never really processed and dealt with herself? And so for me, I was able to take any resentment I had towards her and rewrite it with the understanding of who she was, where she came from, and the life that she was living when she was raising me during my most formative years. And that rewriting process has given me so much empathy and so much appreciation for my mom and has really changed the narrative of how I look at my childhood. So that's an example of in my own life, how I've been able to rewrite with revisiting with an agile, like objective mindset. You know, I've done the exact same thing that my dad, again, we're going back to my dad. For a long time, I did not love him, didn't even like him. It wasn't until later on in my life that I started looking at the good things that I had gotten from him. And yeah. th- then I was able to go go ahead and love him. And like with you, my mom was similar to your mom as far as the stress and anxiety. She had chapters in her book that she never closed. She kept them open all her life and yeah. would rehash them and rehash them and rehash them. And she kind of taught me like to go the other way. You know, she taught me what I didn't want to do, how I didn't want to sit and think about things and dwell on things that I could not control because what it did her no good. It wasn't going to do me any good. Right. And the, the thing that you were saying too, thinking about, okay, what did my mom deal with? What was her life like? You know, could that be why she is the way she is? But I also tend to do that with people. Even now, it's like, I, I don't know what they've been through. I don't know, you know, so I can't sit there and be upset because of the way that they're acting. There's a reason for it. It's like I always tell my husband, people don't do things for no reason at all. There's a, there's a reason behind it. Absolutely. There's always a reason. And I have the same mindset in all areas of my life now that, you know, even if I encounter somebody who runs me off on the road and I have this woman who 
ran me off and flipped me off. And I was in the car with my best friend. And I said, God, she's having a bad day. You know? <laughs> a really bad day. <laughs> yeah. And then we were at a red light and she kept sticking her hand out the, fin- the window, giving me the middle finger. And I said, I turned to my friend and I said, I wonder what her childhood was like. What do you think her parents were like? You know, like that's how my brain works now. Where mm-hmm. like, I really have tried. I re- and I, I have really tried to recondition myself to like think about where people come from and not be so quick. And listen, I'm a girl from Philly. Sometimes I get real hot and I lose my mind. Right. But I really work hard to to always have that mindset. Yeah. And it's it's not always easy. I will admit that it's it's not always easy. But, uh, you know, that's one thing I do with like drivers. We're out in a very rural area and I'll get somebody in front of me who's not doing the speed limit. They're going really slow and I get a little agitated. And then I think, wait, you know what? This could be an elderly person and this yeah. is their only mode of transportation. And, you know, they're not so sure of themselves at this point in time in their lives. So maybe that's why maybe they're lost. Maybe they're a new driver, you know? So I start thinking about why would they, this person be doing this? Why would they totally. be going so slow? And the same thing with other instances like you with this woman flipping you off. You know, it's like, yeah. What happened to her to make her so aggressive towards other people? Yeah, why are you so angry? Right? Yeah. Exactly. Regina, we're talking about, you know, we talked about remembering, talked about rewriting. How about rewiring? Yes. So a lot of rewiring comes down to the thoughts that we think and the words that we say. Every single word that we say and we think has a profound effect on how we look at life. So for example, when I'm dealing with stress and anxiety with my clients, my clients will come to me and say, Regina, I am so stressed. I am so anxious and I don't know what to do. And I always start them off with saying the first thing that we're going to do is change the way that you're identifying yourself. When you say I am X or I am Y, the I am statement is you taking on that as an identity. So the very first thing that you do when you're re when you start to rewire the brain is you really start to change the way you talk to yourself, the way you talk about yourself and the way you talk about yourself to other people. So for me, when I was going on my journey and I was trying to not be so stressed and anxious, I stopped saying I am stressed and I am anxious. And I still to this day, even if I have a moment where I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling stress, I'll never say I am stressed and I am anxious because you're taking on and personifying those feelings. So it's all it starts in how we talk and the words that we use and the thoughts that we think. Right. And that's where the reprogramming starts to happen. So instead of saying you're stressed or you're anxious, do you not say anything at all? Or are you, cho- are you choosing different words? So I actually choose whatever it is that I'm seeking. So when I was suffering from a stress, a lot of stress and anxiety, all I wanted was to be peaceful. So I started saying, I am peaceful. I am calm. I am peaceful in the body that I live in. And so for me, affirmations and mantras are a really big thing. And they've been really powerful in changing my life and changing the way that my clients look at their lives. And so every morning I would wake up and in my meditation and my visualization, you know, I would think about where in my life I was struggling and where I was having lack at in my life. And I would create and write affirmations surrounding what I wanted. So I am peaceful was a big thing that I would say constantly in my life. How long did it take for you to be able to feel the positive effects of this type of routine? I would say within a month of really consistently 
following this and following the morning routines that I created for myself and the evening routines and the mantras and the affirmations, I would say within a month, I really started to feel a lot of difference in my mind and in my body. How important is it for one to actually focus on this daily basis in their life to that any time that dragon rears its ugly head for you to have to go, okay, I'm not accepting this feeling. You have to do it constantly and consistently or you will never change. It's just like a habit of going to the gym or changing the way that you eat or any new habit that you're forming. The more you do it, the more consistent you are with it, the easier it gets and the, the more change will come. So if you're not going to commit to doing it and you're going to do it half-heartedly, then it's not going to work. You have to commit to it and do it constantly and daily. And how important is that to believe that and to feel that? Because I know for me with what we're talking about, I have no problem thinking those thoughts. It's a problem with feeling it, to actually genuinely feel it. And that's where my problem comes in. So how is it? how important is it to be able to feel that? I think initially when you start this journey, at least for myself, I, I didn't feel it, but I believed that if I consistently committed to changing the way I talked and the way that I thought that I would eventually feel it. Um, for me, I was seeking peace. And so not only was I daily committing to speaking peace into my life, but I was also starting to include actions and activities in my life that created more peace. And I started to remove things from my life that disrupted my peace. So, you know, for me, journaling, meditation and visualization were really big things that helped to bring me a lot of peace. Uh, consistently working out and expelling energy helped raise the vibration and helped me feel more peaceful. Not spending time with people who would bring out anxiety or stress in my life helped that as well. So I really sat down and looked at all the different things and all the different times and situations where I would feel anxious or feel stressed. And then I started to tackle them one by one over a period of time. We'll be right back with Joyce Wheeler and It's Your Life. have jars of expensive beauty care products that just didn't do what they claimed? Many women are just like you, spending big bucks on products that do not give results. At Heavenly Bodies, their products do what they say. Why? Because they use only certified organic plant-based ingredients, which have been used by women for thousands of years. Heavenly Bodies believes every woman deserves to have quality skincare products at affordable prices that work. To purchase your Heavenly Bodies products, visit their website at hborganicskincare.com. We're back with Joyce Wheeler, and it's your life. I have an interesting question for you, Regina. What does somebody do when, let's say, they are in a marriage, a relationship, 
and they're being really stressed out by their spouse or, or being verbally attacked by their spouse in a negative way, or even um, children in their, you know, like we were in our teens, in our late teens, in our early 20s that are still living at home, and we're dealing with this. You know, how do you get away from that? How do you remove these people from your life that you obviously have a connection to and love? How do we deal with that? I think first looking at the spouse, I think the question is, why is your spouse causing you stress and anxiety? I would ask that person. What about that relationship and about this connection causes you stress and anxiety? Then you have to pinpoint what it is. Is it the way that your spouse talks to you? Is it the interactions that you have with one another? Is it, you know, whatever the pointed thing is, figure it out and get to the heart of it. Then I would ask myself if I was married and my spouse, I was feeling stress and anxiety in a situation with my spouse. I would then say, why is this particular activity or action of my significant other producing anxiety in my body because people don't cause us stress and anxiety right that's our response people don't do anything to us we're responsible for every feeling we have inside of our body um so i would then look inward and say why is this happening sometimes we feel stress and anxiety not necessarily because of what the other person is doing but because it's just they're triggering something inside of us if you go through that process and you say you know, I'm having stress and anxiety because my spouse is speaking to me in a certain way and it's triggering something in my life. Then I would, if it was me, I would sit down with my significant other and have an honest conversation. I would say, this is triggering me. I think it's related to X in my life. And I'd like for us to figure out a solution because I don't want to feel this way in response to you. That's, that's how I would go about it with a spouse. If you, if you have a child, if you're a child, or you're like living under your parents' roof and you, it's different because sometimes you can't have that communication. Like in theory, a spouse is supposed to be like your partner and your person, right? But when you're a child or a teenager and you're living in a home that causes great stress and anxiety, a lot of times we maybe don't have the freedom as teenagers and children to communicate with our parents. Like a lot of parents don't wanna communicate with their children like adults. So I think if this was a teenager hearing this, it's the same process, sort of. It's saying what situations in my family and in my life and in my surroundings are causing me a lot of stress and anxiety. Why are they causing me stress and anxiety? And, you know, you might not be able to escape the home because you live there, but you can still start to create a little bit of space for yourself. You can you know, start to create some sort of mindfulness habit to just be in a better state of mind to deal with, you know, the passive aggressive parents who are fighting all the time. Um, But it's different. It's more complicated when you're a kid. For me, I figured out ways to create space in my own home. You know, I love, I've always loved music and I was a musician and an artist. So I would immerse myself in things that brought me a lot of joy. I loved to read as a kid. I would spend a lot of time reading and immersing myself in that stuff. I had beautiful friendships from my childhood. I would spend time with friends. And I and I really never allowed myself to focus on all of the stuff happening at home because I knew I couldn't control it and I couldn't change it, but I could control how I felt and how I responded to them and to that life. 
You know, it's funny because we both dealt with it the same way. Like you, I was a big, I was an avid reader. So I would take books out from the library. I would sit and read. Um, poetry for me was, that, that that's what I done. I, I was able to write out my feelings using poetry. And then music, music was a, another good one. And see, what made it tougher though too was when I was about 11, I started having some problems with the other females in the neighborhood. And it was really ridiculous how it started. So at one point, I really didn't have any friends. I mean, even at school, I was always what they would have called a loner. I had, there was uh, one other girl at school who was a loner also. And we kind of became friends at school, but outside of school, that it wasn't. So at one point, you know, I became very isolated, would stay in my room, would read, you know, listen to music, write poetry. And that's what I did. You know, and I'm not having a pity party about it because truth be told, if I had to do it all over again, I would do it the same way because I'd learned lessons from it and it formed me into the it formed me into the person that I became. That's how I feel too when I look back at my childhood and my life. Like I am one of those people, I don't view anything with the eyes of regret and I don't view anything with the eyes of oh, woe is me, that happens to me. Because I don't believe that things happen to me. I believe that everything is happening for me. And all of those moments in childhood were lessons. And like, I became the person that I am today. And I have the experiences that I have and the understanding that I have because of that family that I grew up in and then the way I dealt with my childhood. Right, I, I totally agree. I, there's, you know, and I think that if we, if everybody looked at it more like that, like a life lesson than a hardship, that maybe we it would give us a way of dealing with past feelings and past emotions in a more positive way. Yeah. Something that really helped me a lot when I was like really digging deep into my childhood and my life and trying to understand everything was one of my favorite writers is Louise Hay. And she has the belief that when, before we come down for this lifetime, we choose the family, we choose the environment that to which we will be born into. And the reason why we choose that, choose that family and that environment is because there are certain life lessons that we want to learn in that lifetime. And so I really, I have really taken to that because when I was a kid, I always had so many moments where I felt like the alien child. And I you thought, too, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I swear I was adopted. Too. Oh, I was adopted. I didn't know it. <laughs> I felt the same way. And so in my childhood, I was like, how was I born into this family? Why am I in this family? And once I really started to read Louise Hay and started to think about that concept, it gave me so much more like so much more appreciation for my childhood because I was like, I chose this family and I chose this childhood. Why did I choose them? Why did I choose this life? And for me, I chose it because I had to learn these lessons so that I can serve the community that I now serve. If I didn't have the stress and the anxiety and the grow up around addiction like I did, I wouldn't have the understanding to really be able to serve my community the way I can now. And so that's been a way for me to, again, accept and say that everything is happening for me, not to me. And my childhood happened for me to give me the experience that I can serve. Right. You know, and the thing is, too, is that I look at all the negative experiences, too, is also for a way for me to possibly 
help others who might be having that same negative experience. You know, with like with our podcast, you know, we got into it because my husband suffered from mercury poisoning from the fillings in his teeth, you know, um, so he didn't work for six months. And it was just like we changed our lifestyle because of it, because of the information we found out. And we started the podcast because we want to give other people hope and let other people know that there are ways of dealing with things naturally. And with that, Regina, one of my favorite topics that I'd like to talk to you about, because you had briefly mentioned it, was the natural vibrational frequency of the body. Yes, I love to talk about the vibrational frequency of the body. How important is that? It's so important. And for so much of my life, I didn't understand. I just didn't get like the energy, right? Like I didn't understand that different emotions and different feelings that we live in have actual energy that is measurable. That was what was crazy for me is that we can actually scientifically measure the energy in which, in which with someone is living and operating and working. And one thing I understand about the natural vibration of frequency, because like you, I didn't understand about it and understand how the words and the things that I said or the things that I did or the feelings that I felt actually affected that natural vibration of frequency. And it's not just us. Everything around us has a natural vibration of frequency. And it's amazing that we're never taught this. All the junk we learn in school, and we are not taught this very important, beneficial fact about our bodies. And correct me if I'm wrong, Regina, but should that vibrational frequency between be between 62 and 69? Is that correct? I don't know the all the the numbers. Um, I have I've studied with uh, like I've read and studied David Hawkins, and he talks about every single thing, like what the vibrational count is for our different feelings and emotions. But I don't know them individually. Oh, that's really interesting. Do you yeah. do you remember what any of those were? Because I I also know that each organ has its own natural vibrational frequency. Yeah, so he talks about he he looks at it like almost like a triangle, and the very bottom of the triangle is like the lowest level vibrational frequency. So fear, doubt, anxiety, shame, anger, and then it goes up all the way, and then the highest is in is to be like true consciousness, true enlightenment, um, and up that up that pyramid he shows you the levels at which you can measure each feeling and emotion and like state of consciousness. Is that a video or a book or? So he has a lot of different books. I think that he talks about it. Yeah. I don't know which book he exclusively talks about it in. I believe in his book, power versus force. But if you, um, if you Google David Hawkins and I think it's the energy continuum, um, you can, you'll find it. Also, Greg Braden, I had seen a really good video that he had done on YouTube, and I don't know the name of it, but he was talking about the natural vibrational frequency and how we're all interconnected. They yes. have, they have um, I think it's satellites or some kind of equipment they have up in space, and there's like this black part of space that there's nothing. It's just black. And okay. I, I, NASA's been monitoring it. And... They never saw any activity there. All of a sudden, when they started going back on 9-11, they noticed there was activity up in that, this dark space. Okay. 
And then they looked at it again around Christmas time, and they noticed again that there was activity there. And that was when scientists started looking at it and realized that the reason there was this activity out there was because everybody on the planet was feeling basically the same emotion at, at the same time. It was very interesting, but I mean, that just shows how much we are interconnected. So, you know, it's the same thing if somebody's had a fight and you walk into the room, you, you don't know. You don't know that there was a fight. You just walk in. You feel the, it. You feel it. You feel, you feel it. it. You can totally feel that energy. You know, people are wild, picking up a bad vibe. You certainly yeah. are. You certainly and I and I also like it really started as I started to understand energy and the energy with which we attract things into our life. It started to make sense how I was watching people's lives unfold. Like there's like, you'll meet people who they'll say things like bad things always happen to me. And they live in this lower energetic state where they're constantly attracting low vibrational things to happen to them. And they also, like I talked about earlier, the I am like the state in which we live in, they perpetually live in a state where I am in a state where bad things always happen to me. I'm so, I am so unlucky. Yes. And so of course they are. They live in that state of being. It's also deeper than that. It's, you know, like I talk about the thoughts that we think and the words that we say become our reality. So if you are living in a state inside of your body where you feel less than all the time, where you don't feel good enough, where you don't feel lovable, where you don't even have respect and dignity that you for yourself you are going to attract that into your life because of the energy which you live inside of your body with which is made up of your thoughts and your actions and your words I would have you know I I think back through my life I've had girlfriends who in dating have had really terrible dating experiences and they just attract these terrible men into their lives. And I really started to examine these girls and have conversations with them about how do they feel about themselves? How do they talk to themselves? What's their relationship like inside of themselves and inside of their brains? I already knew the answer, but it was always super low. There was no love. There was no respect. There was no admiration for self. And so then living in that low energy of self-loathing, lack of self-love, they then attract people into their lives that fulfill that negative view that they have of themselves. Right. It's like they're creating their own prophecy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I see it constantly. And it's interesting, too, with my clients, I see, and just like sticking with dating, where as these women that I've been working with have a greater love of self and a greater respect for self, the individuals that they attract into their life are better and better and are better quality human beings who meet them at their energy. You know, and one of the things I realized when it comes to the um, natural vibrational frequency, if you want to rewrite your life, your story, you have to keep that natural vibrational frequency up. How do you know if it's down? How do you feel? 
Are you feeling, you, do you feel like garbage? Well, then, you know, you might want to go ahead and raise that. So Regina, let's talk about ways that we can keep our natural vibrational frequency up so that we can have a better quality of life. Yes. There's so many different things. I would say for me, there's not just one thing that I do. I do a lot of different things to raise my energy depending on where I'm at and what I'm doing. For example, if I'm working, if it's a work day and I'm writing or I'm creating, my job is I'm coaching. So I'm doing a lot of soul and like interpersonal work, but also a huge part of my job is creative, is marketing and branding and, you know, branding myself in the internet. So as a creative, I have moments of feeling low energy and not inspired. So something that I'll do is I physically change my energetic state. I will get up in the middle of my day and like go for a bike ride or do something to physically move my body. And that helps to change my energy. Um, On a daily basis, something that is included in my life is meditation and journaling and visualization. Those moments of mindfulness really help to help me to start and end my day super high vibe, super high energy. Um, something else that I'll do periodically is I'm a big believer in Reiki. I have a very good friend in Philadelphia who when I'm home, I go to see her for my energy work and my energy healing. So I'll go to her for Reiki and tarot card readings and that kind of stuff. That's not something I do daily or weekly, but it's something I intersperse in my life and it really helps me um keep my energy and my vibe high um yoga is another thing that i'll do i don't do it consistently right now but i go through periods of time where i do do it consistently uh it really helps keep my energy and my vibe high um i work out probably five or six days a week because again it just keeps me in a in a really good peak state so those are some of the things that i like to intersperse in my life to, to help with my energy. You know, another thing too, with with like a lot of the things you're talking about, it also, if people are, are under stress, it is a good way to relieve that stress. Yeah, if, totally. If you're feeling like that. Um, some of the things that I do to keep my vibrational frequency high is I pay attention to the foods that I eat. I eat, yes. uh, when we're home in our house, we're all organic. Of course, if we go out, we can't always find organic, but organic um, qigong, which is similar to tai chi, but it also has to do with like a lot of the organs in the body. And then with the meditation, I actually do a guided meditation uh, from YouTube that cleanses the chakras, which are the energy portals. So that those are some things that I do. Oh, I also program my water. Oh, okay. Are you familiar with Dr. Rimoto? I am, yes. Yeah, so I will program my water. I will because water has a memory, and we're what, like 98% water or some very high, very high. So it's like if water can take on energy, because again, everything is energy, then if we're being negative or being negative towards somebody else, what is that doing to our internal body? Yeah. That is so much water. So yeah, another thing totally. that another thing that I do is I program my water to raise my vibrational frequency. And the water that I drink is from a well, which is put through a Berkey filtration system, which filters out toxins, including heavy metals and glyphosate. Um, 
you got like the King Kong of water. Oh, I, I you did. Oh my gosh. Well, I also it's infused with shungite. Oh my gosh, I love it. Are you familiar with shungite? I am. I love that that's that you right. guys consume that every day. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it it is. Um, we were very blessed at the fact that the house that we bought here in Louisiana that they left the uh, the well connected to the house because a lot of the houses here they disconnected the well so we were okay. we were on city water and then a man up the road had told my husband he worked for the water department he said you don't want to drink that water so and we okay. did we did know about the fluoride in it we weren't real keen about it but we weren't real sure about the well and you know then we decided pretty much close to when we moved in here which was in 2010 that um yeah those city water needed to go so yeah, we just do yeah, well water. That's great. So those are some some of the things that I do to raise my vibrational frequency, along with my crystals. I love my crystals. Of course, me too. And I forgot food is a food is such a big thing. Like people don't often think about where the food comes from. You know, if you if you're somebody who eats meat, like how is that how is that animal like? Not just what does the animal consume, but what's the treatment of the animal? Um, it's so important, like all of that is so important in keeping our energy high is what we are constantly consuming and putting into our bodies. Right, especially like when you're talking about an animal, because if that animal, like you said, isn't eating the right things or is mistreated, it has a low vibrational frequency. Yeah, totally. So that's going to bring ours down, you know? Yeah. Not only that, but when an animal is slaughtered under stress... They're releasing hormones just like people do. Yep. And it goes into the meat and you cannot cook it out. And Absolutely. Once again, you're ingesting that and you're bringing down your vibrational frequency. Yeah. Real important to keep that up. So important. So I think we're about at the top of the hour. Time flies. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so Regina, why don't you go ahead and tell our listening audience how they can contact you and please give us any last minute thoughts. Sure. So my website is reginalawrence.com and my Instagram is Regina A. Lawrence. And then on Facebook, I'm Regina Angelica Lawrence. And I will include those links in the description so that those in the audience can go ahead and check that out there. So is there any, any last thoughts that you want to leave us with? I mean, something that I always think about, especially when we're dealing with, when people are dealing with stress and anxiety in their life, is that we think that we're stuck or that we have to be that way forever, and we don't. The brain is so powerful and so durable and able to change. And with the right training and the right, you know, guidance, we're able to reprogram the way that we think, the way that we live, and truly live a more peaceful, happy life. Yeah, a better quality of life naturally. Absolutely. The, the way that we were meant to be. Absolutely, yeah. All right, Regina, it has been really awesome talking to you. Thank you so much for being on the show. You too. Thanks for having me. Okay, you've been listening to It's Your Life. I've been your host, Joyce Wheeler. And Regina Lawrence has been my guest. Please remember to go ahead, like, give me a thumbs up, subscribe, and enjoy the rest of your day. You have been listening to It's Your Life with Joyce Wheeler a production of Natural Bus Podcast.